from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. Oh, yes, grab your axe, Johnny, and get to it. <laughs> A guitar lick for the ages. Here we are, this Johnny Gilbert on guitar. So many duties uh, on Jeopardy. This is Inside Jeopardy. Welcome back, everyone. Your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Michael Davies. I'm joined today again. I'm not ha- unhappy about it. I'm just <laughs> wow, saying again, I am joined welcome. by I'm uh, back. producer Sarah Foss. And finally, Most back importantly. in the studio, we're all together again. Great friend of the pod, Buzzy Cohen. Friend of the pod. Interesting to hear you say that because I don't know you listened a few weeks back but i mentioned uh, our unspoken feud oh ours or yes w- yours and mine yeah. because we have a feud well you refused to appear refused didn't appear on the pod with me for a number of weeks we uh-huh. were, and i heard that that was a request no it was not a request <laughs> it was not intentional it was i was traveling and Look i was doing st- other he's things stammering he's stuttering. i'm really not stammering i don't feel <laughs> There are many times that I get caught out for things I should feel guilty about. This isn't one of them. I I adore you, Buzzy. I didn't want to avoid this whatsoever. Just... I'm just teasing. Buzzy said, hey, I'm just noticing every time I come on, Michael's not here. Do we have something going on? I thought you were going to reference that apparently you got a death stare uh, from Sarah as well. I got a death stare from Sarah. You apparently got <laughs> one as well. You're in good company. Can we make it a turkey? Is it a turkey if we get three weeks of death stares in a row? <laughs> oh, no, maybe. I got it. So uh, very I important. I have no doubt it will happen with the two of you here today. So don't. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, so, so much stuff was going on before the pod, which I kept on saying, save it, save it, save it. Let's talk about it on air. There's some, apparently some highlighter drama happened, Sarah, that we need well, to know about. yes. You know, sometimes I like to highlight my important facts I'm going to speak about. Uh-huh. Um, last time I was with Buzzy, I highlighted them on the main sheet. And then every time I went to say something, Buzzy stole my nugget. Well, it was highlighted. Buzzy so stole thought... my nugget. That's a, that's a, that's a, if you ever want to develop that game show, we would be interested at Embassy Row. She highlighted it, and I'm looking for what I'm going to say uh, about the game, and I go, my eye goes to the highlighted thing. It worked, basically. Your highlighting technique works, and I apologize. But today, it... I've brought my own highlighter, <laughs> and yeah. I've only highlighted my script. This so is all there. part of Sarah's plan to make this a one-man booth. Exactly. She really Slowly. wants to do it. A one-woman booth, let's yeah. be clear. There yeah. you go. It's going to be. Um, uh, Buzzy, we've really just got to get into it. Uh, tell us what you're wearing uh i am wearing a custom well made to measure uh jack victor suit oh and a paul smith tie what's again a peak lapel you like a peak lapel i do like a peak lapel mm-hmm. how does that make you feel no good I, I i don't wear a peak lapel well you wear it very well well uh we can talk about why that might be and i've got my capto oxfords on today because i know you worry about what the very shoes nice are. narrow yep. gray tie and signature i wear signature i wear let's just say the I mean, the coordination between the tie and the pocket square is so on point, Buzzy. Well done. Thank you. Um, Not an accident. We have already pointed out in in, uh, talking of your (laughs) eyewear that uh, I've had the script printed printed out in what font, uh, Producer Alexa? A hundred. Size, size twenty font. I think we're, it's we're, in tw- we're in twenty font. It's very large. We yes, have about five seven words. words. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yes, I was going to say you seven. You'll hear a lot words. of papers ruffling um, today. Uh, producer Anna Marie uh, very excitedly told me, "Look, we've put the box scores up on a on a screen, and of course there are on a screen. They're on a very big screen, but I can't read them." Uh, whatsoever, but we'll get to the box. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll the read them f- yes, to you. Michael the... and I are both going to bring our glasses next time. Yeah, okay. We're, we'll be Good prepared. thing I'm here as the Jeopardy youth correspondent at the <laughs> young, young age of 37. Well, we uh, finally made it. It is. Uh, we it's made it. The, uh, is that the holiday season is here? It's back to school week. Uh, today's podcast is the official 
season 39 debut episode. We're going to be covering the first full week of games. And we really do have a lot to talk about throughout the rest of the season. Each Monday, we will be recapping the previous week's games. So make sure you watch each episode before listening and check out our daily highlights and box scores. Now, as we mentioned during last week's episode, we kicked off season 39 with our returning champ, Luigi de Guzman. I spent some time uh, yesterday with uh, producer Carlos talking about how we could get into the archives and into our data and figure out how many Luigi's have ever played the show, where this Luigi ranks versus other Luigi's who played the show. He's working on it. He's apparently going to speak to the people at J Archive. Uh, but Luigi <laughs> spent the entire summer as Jeopardy champion. Incredible. And I can't imagine what it must have been like to spend those weeks knowing you were the champion. What do you do? Do you train it harder? Do you sip? Do you relax? It's a real uh, Roger Bannister question here. And you are champion for longer than most super champions or even super yeah. champions because it's months that you are and, that you are reigning. And you are one of the few people who you're out in the world and your run has not ended. Yeah. And people know that you are a Jeopardy champion. I like it. The great uh, thing is Luigi said he was received warmly by Jeopardy fans, you know, throughout the summer, which was great. And I have to say... One interesting experience he had that I don't think any other champion really did is that he ended the season without an audience uh-huh. and came back with an audience with these, you know, roaring applause. Suddenly so, he has fans. So for the first time ever, guys, I mean, we're talking about it, but let's get into the games. Yeah, he did change his Twitter <laughs> handle to Jeopardy Champion Luigi. He, uh, As I did one notice should. That. I did notice that. Yeah, Monday. Um, what a great show. I mean, Luigi just destroyed the competition in this show. I love Luigi. He is an incredible player, and you know he's going to be an incredible player because when your name is Luigi and you choose to have a mustache, you got yeah. to be able to back that up. Yeah, and this right. game, he absolutely does. Yeah. Although ending the Jeopardy round, everyone was performing well. We didn't have a single incorrect response in that entire round, so that's always a sign of good competitors, good play. Yeah, producer Carlos, how many of the Luigis who've played on Jeopardy have had mustaches? That's a very uh, important thing for Jeopardata. Real quick, I have to say that he had the second highest score in a season premiere ever with $42,400, second only behind Matamodio from season 38 with $67,800. So those are some huge champion stats, big numbers, a big first win for Luigi in season 39. Yeah, I'm trying to look up at the box. Got 34 correct answers in that game, only two incorrect. That's a pretty, uh, pretty fine performance. Yeah, what are you guys putting in the co- in that green room coffee now? Thirty-eight, thirty-nine. You're really coming in hot. These <laughs> and that audience. Oh, it yeah. was so great to feel that energy on that first show. Ken admitted he came out, he flubbed his open because he was so taken <laughs> back by having an audience. He really didn't know what to do with it. And then Luigi made a comment about what was that like for you? And Ken said, "The last time I had an audience, I was I was in your position. I was a contestant." So so interesting to put that into perspective of how much things have changed. And- I got to say, as a fan of the show and a fan of Ken and a friend of Ken, it was so great to finally hear Ken introduced as the host of Jeopardy. That that gave me chills. Yeah, and certainly that audience response, as Sarah said, was pretty overwhelming and overwhelming for him. You know what? You mentioned the thing earlier, and I know it was a throwaway buzzy comment about what are you putting in the <laughs> coffee at season 38, season 39. But I do get asked this a lot, and this point is made to be a lot. I'm not sure if I've run this theory by you, because this is my new theory about what's going on, is that, you know, simultaneously, we have increasingly an audience and a contestant pool who get their information and get their knowledge from so many different sources, so they don't know all of the same thing. So they have a very distinct forms of knowledge and obviously more specialized forms of knowledge. 
and at the same time, our material is getting broader and broader and broader. And we are, our writers, you know, Billy and supervised by Billy and Michelle are doing such an incredible job broadening the material that we ask. So my theory is, is that the people who are good at Jeopardy, there is a delta, there is a ratio that even better than everybody else who's come before because of the, the thinning out of content, content knowledge with the explosion of the internet and also with the way that we've broadened what we're asking on the material. I have a different theory. Okay, go. <laughs> My theory is that we are in this transition moment where people know that Jeopardy is something you can prepare for, and there are so many more resources out there in terms of J-Archive. Like, I didn't know about J-Archive before I was on the show, but now I know a lot of people who are getting ready to be on the show go onto the internet and say, hey, how do I get ready? And other contestants start telling them. And so you're hitting this inflection point where it's goes from people who were like me who liked watching the show on the couch and knew a lot of stuff and could play to more people saying oh i can study up a little bit i can learn how to wager i can you know practice in this way or that james holtzauer hosted a game show boot camp in vegas a few weeks back i think people are thinking about the show in a different way you say jeopardy is a sport you know there was a period where tennis was something that people played you know, at their lawn club, and then people started training for tennis, and those people would go to tournaments and beat the yeah whatever at everyone. Well, yeah, you've got your exceptional athletes. But see, your theory, which I do buy, and I do think is correct, but that would explain, or that would lead you to believe that everybody, the entire pool, would be getting better at playing Jeopardy. No, what I'm suggesting is that there's a subset of people who are preparing in this way. Super preparers. Yes. Yeah. Who go on to perhaps become so, super champions. Yeah, and we're at this point where you go to a tennis tournament and there's three guys who are training four days a week and everyone else is playing Saturday and Sunday with their friends. So we've got pro players playing and we've got amateur players playing. I think that explains some of the runs of, of 38. Yeah. We'll see what happens in 39. Sticking you know, with both... my theory, game show gods. Smiling <laughs> on us. Yeah, it could be. They're well, smiling. all these things can be true. Not It yeah. doesn't have to be one or no, the other. It yeah. could be a pie chart of things that are contributing to it. Okay. Yes. Um, show two of the season, Tuesday, 9.13, Luigi playing against April Marquette. She's a digital production artist from Oakland. And Justin Tarbox, a software engineer from Hoover, Alabama. This show had a pretty exciting category for you, Michael. The Good Morning Football team actually doing the NFL opening weekend category. This is another show that I produce in New York, Buzzy. Carl Brandt, Peter Schrager, <laughs> Jamie Erdahl. Jason came in with a with a category. I think it was literally his first day on the show when he came it in with was. a category. It was. Yes, he uh, did a Will clue. Will Selver, our news guy, like they all got together and they're huge Jeopardy fans. They're so excited about it. I'm just uh, delighted they got to feature. And thankfully, this category played much better than talking football oh, yeah. back in 2018, Infamous. you know, when everyone talked about how our contestants kind of fumbled that category, getting zero correct. But not on this day. It played great. And this is one of those uh, final Jeopardy wagering moments that will go down in history. Uh, April coming into final in the lead. Yeah. And... You could say miswagered. I think we should talk about the wagering technique, the wagering strategy here. Got it correct, but did not bet enough to cover Luigi's correct answer. One thing I can tell you is that she spent almost the entire five minutes thinking about this wager. Um, she's gone on to talk about it on Reddit and all that was going through her mind. And none of us, well, except for you, Buzzy, can understand what that pressure is like trying to do the right wager in a moment when so much is at stake. As celebrities certainly just the experience of shooting celebrity jeopardy this 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 past weekend they 
certainly struggled with daily double wagering mm-hmm. and final jeopardy wagering it is it is very hard but you can once again there are resources available to study up and learn <laughs> yeah there's keith williams has the final wager when billy was here he said the number one thing you can do besides you know watching the show is do a little wager studying and there are worlds in which first place depending on the category might want to wager to cover my personal philosophy in wagering final is Assume you're going to get it right. You got to play like you're going to get it right. Yeah. Bet, on like every, yes. bet on yourself. Every bet on yourself because you're, you're, it's not a great way to go into final thinking. Okay, I'm going to get this wrong. Let's bet to cover. The way that I think about it is, if I know it, all these people know it. So I got to play where I, I just I'm feeling so much for April to come into final in first place, get final Jeopardy right, and not win. That's a hard way to go home. And the audience so supportive of April. Obviously, she yeah. was very emotional in this loss. I have to think, though, with a performance like that, if Second Chance comes back, Michael, she's got to be in the running. Oh, well, yeah, we're already looking at people for Second Chance next time. We haven't even done it this time. I did love this final, we should say, the British royal family, Phillips titles, uh, including Baron Greenwich and the Duke of Edinburgh, but not Prince Consort, last used by this royal, the answer being Prince Albert. But it included both the the town of my birth, Greenwich, uh, London Borough of Greenwich in London, and Edinburgh, the uh, my alma mater, my university. Oh. I had nothing to do with it whatsoever. I just thank no, Billy but you were thrilled letter. when it came up. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, show uh, three of the season, Wednesday show nine fourteen. Luigi back again playing Winston Lee and Harriet Wagner. Yeah, we had one of these interesting rule moments that I want to address because Luigi did respond initially in the Jeopardy round with "Who is constant?" to one of the clues, but Ken did not hear him. So Ken asked Luigi, "Can you repeat that?" When Luigi repeated it, he did change his answer to constable, and we made the ruling that he was correct. It is in the rules that until the host rules you incorrect, you can change your response. And just by Ken saying, can you repeat that? He genuinely didn't hear him. So it was up to Luigi whether he wanted to keep the same response or change it. But that's why you will see that moment in the game play out. And that's why it happened. This happened like two weeks ago, and I've already re- forgotten that that happened. But, I know. <laughs> but, uh... Jeopardy air time, Jeopardy production time. Yep. It's all it's all crazy. Another thing that's important when you're on the show is really listening to the host because it's it's easy to get flummoxed. And sometimes when they're asking you to repeat yourself, you do what Luigi did and you change your response to the wrong one. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. that, that coin toss worked in Luigi's favor. Yeah. It can go both ways. When we headed into Double Jeopardy, we had a tie between two of our contestants, and people have been asking recently, when it's tied going into Double Jeopardy, who gets to select first? Because normally it's the person who's you know in third place. It is the contestant who gave the last correct response. So just want to fill in that inside Jeopardy knowledge. I'm working on changing that rule to whoever is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the best part was at the end of the game, Luigi said to Ken, you know, it's kind of fun being the little guy in your TV. He grew up watching oh. Jeopardy all these years, and now he's the guy in the TV that people are watching and, and watching him succeed. And it's so rare to have seen yourself on the show already when you're go back and tape. So that's a pretty cool unique experience. Didn't end up changing the game, but it was certainly one of those hard moments for us. Harriet responded with Angela Le Guin. She responded incorrectly. Ken ruled her incorrect, and then she corrected herself after. Um, This is one of those things we had to go back and check the timing. It was so close by the frame that you actually, like, checked time of day. Oh, yeah. We went frame by frame by frame. frame. by frame. went against time of day code and all these things, listening in audio, slowing it down, speeding it up, and trying to figure out. Yeah, to make sure if he had started saying no before she corrected herself. It was so close. I think we decided it was about 10 frames. But I just want everyone to know we take time when these things happen, and we make sure that we make the best call possible. Yeah, that was... uh... 
definitely took some handling, but there was no stopping uh, Luigi in that game. 29 uh, correct answers, another dominant performance. He ran the law category. Um, I'm not sure if you heard, Buzzy, but I'm, I did mention on last week's <laughs> podcast that I've been thinking about trying out, perhaps in, in one of our other tournament weeks this season, experimenting with the idea of giving a cash bonus for four contestants who run a category. Is this a moment in the studio? It's a great thing. I don't know what you think about that. Well, whether or not I listened to it, Twitter exploded with um, <laughs> pros and cons, which we can discuss what people are saying. In, uh, but you know what, Michael? you got to do you. You no, run no, your game. Not, no, we got to. No, he was not, really genuinely asking for people. Yeah, input. no, I want feedback. Well, and people, I, I think people like the idea of a bonus. I think people, the the sense I get is, is this a bonus that's going to affect your game score total? No, no, that's it's just the a thing. separate bonus. Separate, yes, separate bonus. I think that going I home think with a little extra prize yeah, from Jeopardy. Yeah, with or without a win. Yeah, I think that I think that the the fandom would love that because it really doesn't affect the gameplay. It's just a little a little kicker. It might actually be a prize. Um, yeah. One thing that we've noticed <laughs> in dealing with like the old episodes is and speaking to former contestants is they used to win certain prizes of on course. the show. What were some of the things that people won, Sarah? Oh, gosh. The other day they were talking about how someone got uh, tomato canned soup. They got <laughs> juicy juice concentrate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maybe cash. Maybe yeah. we'll Maybe. do cash. I, I don't know. Maybe we can get one of those Dalmatian dogs from Wheel of Fortune. I'd oh, like my to God. take one of those yeah. home. That'd Just a car. Yeah. That used to be the five day you get sent home with a car. That used to be, but now you can go on for more than five, and you can buy yourself, you can buy yourself many, car. many cars if you go on a super run. One suggestion that someone said was they suggested you have to start at the top and follow through. That you couldn't like go you bottom can't jump to top. Around. You can't exactly. go. You can't go dating. But not just searching. jumping around, starting at the top and moving to the bottom, which is a different strategy because obviously a lot of our players are going for those bigger numbers. So counting on yourself enough that you're like, I'm just going to start at the top and run this thing. Or do you just search out those daily doubles at the lower values? It's going to affect gameplay strategy. And I don't know if that's something <laughs> that you're interested in doing. Mm. Mm. Right? Because, you know, there are people who are coming in Holtz Howery. And <laughs> if there's a cash bonus involved, they might say, hey, I know I'm good enough. I'm going to forget the Holtz Howery thing and I'm going to go top to bottom. I'm going yeah. Schneider esque. Yeah. Schneider esque. Or yeah. you're gonna... Amodeodian. No, I can't ever no, say and that it might, I've also thought it might also give incentive to people who are trailing against a really big right. player to try and go into a category and get something out of the game yeah. beyond their second or third yeah. place, you know, prize. Get yeah, that maybe, consolation prize. Maybe they get something really silly. You know, like they get to dunk tank Ken Oh, maybe they get like an that. autographed picture of Ken Jennings signed by Buzzy Cohen. That is the prize for the Deathly Double <laughs> right, Challenge. Right. I don't That's know if you heard Halloween about this. That's the Halloween Challenge. Did you hear about this, costume. Michael? No, let's save that for another episode. Okay. We'll do it. Okay, let's get into show four. Uh, I was Anna Marie was giving me the look right then. Let's get into show four. Uh, Thursday show. This is difficult. He's won what by this point? He's won four four games. Four games. He wants that Thursday. spot. He yeah. wants that spot in the tournament of champions Absolutely locked significant. up. Yeah, and the fifth game is the one where you really say, "Oh, oh, I'm, I'm doing something here." <laughs> yeah, and, and the Thursday slot, the post lunch slot, can be brutal. brutal, brutal, brutal. I want to know what Luigi had for lunch. Do we have that data, Carlos? Yeah. All I know is James Holtzauer used to have two pieces of pizza. Oh, my God. And a Coke. And I was like, this is what you eat for lunch. And you come back and you play like that. So, you know, there's no one was meal for a champion. Was it a Diet Coke or a full? Uh... It was a 
Diet Coke. He's a Diet Coke. Yeah, he's a Diet Coke. He makes up for the pizza with a Diet Coke. Yeah, they balance Uh, each other. In this game, though, in Double Jeopardy, I loved Luigi got the last daily double, the last clue of the game. Mm. He bet six thousand. He's like, "Hey, what have I got to lose?" And you could see his face because the correct response was Jamestown in Virginia, his home state. And you could just see he's like, "I'm going to the TOC right in that moment." And a triple stumper in final, which. Always rough. Always rough. This is one of those things where if you could connect the dots, you got it. But even watching at home was thinking, okay, obviously this is a Scottish connection. And how many leaps can I make to a, a Scotch named school? I regard myself as sort of as an expert on uh, university mascots uh, and also on anything related to Scotland. Uh, but I did not know the answer to this. Yeah, I, I think I got stuck on Bryn Mawr or something like that and couldn't couldn't move on. We head into Friday. We are introduced to Emmett Stanton. And Ken jokes, after a really strong first Jeopardy round from Emmett, has Luigi met his nemesis, his Waluigi, if you will? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was so good. (laughs) Luigi did come back strong in Double Jeopardy with 16 correct responses. And at the end of Double Jeopardy, very close, 18,000 for Luigi, 15,800 for Emmett. Anything could happen in final. You know, in talking with him, he just wasn't super confident about Disney songs. It ended up being, you know, from Aladdin. And he's like, that was in my zone. But he totally. didn't know if it was going to be a more recent, you know, right. maybe it was going to be a little Encanto or something he wasn't as familiar with. So he felt like it was a smart wager. In the end, he knew the correct response. He could have become a six-day champion. But we end the week with Emmett as our new one-day champion. Big Congratulations total. to Emmett. Congratulations to that uh, V-neck sweater. Well, we were sad to see Luigi's run come to an end, but we know we're going to see him back in the TOC, so that's exciting. Yeah, with his perfect Spanish pronunciations, his he has l- so many languages. He did a perfect Michael Caine at some point during oh the week. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. he's Guy's incredible. Got he's, he's got, got it, all. it all. I had the chance to catch up with him right after his loss in that sixth game. He you know, mentioned what a great experience it was and that he was sad to see it come to an end, but really excited to have begun our season as a Jeopardy! champion. Let's take a listen to that interview. Luigi de Guzman, five-day. Jeopardy champion. How does that sound? That's pretty unreal, honestly. It gets less and less real the more you do it. Well, you probably had, you know, one of the longest amounts of time to just let being a Jeopardy champion soak in. You had all of our summer hiatus, so you had a little more time to process that. What was that like, spending the summer as a champion? It's kind of cool. Like, you know, people get in touch and, and you get a lot of love and support from people that, you know, that you hadn't thought were watching. It's really kind of overwhelming to see that people are so encouraging over, like, everywhere. It's kind of cool. The Jeopardy community is a nice community. Is that your experience so far? Absolutely. The, the coolest part about coming here is getting to hang out with all of the other people that get on the show and all the folks who make this show run. That's, like, that's absolutely the coolest thing if you're at all, like, I, I, I want to tell people, if you're at all curious, take the online test. You know, it's, it's the most fun that you'll have. Because look what could happen. You could end up with over $140,000. How does that number sound, Luigi? Like I said, it's not real. You know, like I I think Ken mentioned it. After a certain level, the numbers don't seem real. It's like a video game. So what's it like for you knowing this tournament of champions? You just get to sit back, watch, and enjoy it. But you're going to be playing in the 2023 tournament of champions. 
I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little relieved. Uh, <laughs> season 38 has some really great champions on some really awesome runs, and I watch them all. And um, I guess I'm sad that I miss them, but I'm also kind of not sad that I miss them, you know what I mean? What will you do to prepare in the next year? <laughs> Oof, I don't know, honestly. Like, there's... You either know it or you don't. There's not a lot that you can do to cram more into your head. Most of this is really about, you know, staying loose and having a good attitude and being positive and just letting it happen. At one point, I heard you say, I can't believe this is happening to Ken. Is that still the feeling you're having? Absolutely. <laughs> On my first game, I said, you know, I, I, we talked about dreams. And all the time since, I have felt like I've been dreaming. And the dream, you know, and the dream has just gone on. The dream came true. Yeah. What's been the best part of this experience for you? Honestly, just hanging out, being here, you know, coming back and having an audience was, was crazy. When I started in season 38, we had no audience. And the only other audience were the other players. And it hit me that we're up here playing the game that people at home are watching. And like that means a lot to those folks at home. And it's been really cool to be that guy for those people for a little bit. Well, we're so happy to have you a part of our Jeopardy family. You're stuck with us for life. You're a Jeopardy champion for life. And we can't wait to see you in the 2023 Tournament of Champions. Thank you. What an incredible player. Really love that interview, Sarah. And I love getting to hear from the champions on the stage in that moment because you can hear all of their excitement, and they're still running on that adrenaline even after they lose. Um, looking forward to next week and seeing Emmett play. Will he be our next TOC qualifier? Mm, Have to watching. wait and see. But moving on, why don't we answer a few factors. Ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Viewer questions. Michael Rooney, who is actually a J alumni, he yes. was in the 2000 TOC. I know him, smart guy, asks, given the success of choosing memorable games for summer repeats and the flexible delivery of streaming, is there any chance of a Jeopardy classic channel revisiting choice cuts from the deep library of 38 years of games? It seems that much more could be done than is currently being delivered via Pluto TV. I mean, look, I think that the... 
you know, streaming the Pluto TV thing. It's going to be interesting to look at that data, see how mm-hmm. that's working um, and see where it goes. I think beyond that, there is a lot of interest from streamers in Jeopardy and seeing uh, what can be done with it. And I'm so interested in the archive in general. And, you know, I, I go in and I dip in. We've got a, a, a system where we can watch old shows and I dip in every now and then and watch a different show from a different season and love doing it. So maybe I do think there'll be people who would line up to do a Jeopardy classic channel. I think the thing I'm always balancing, and this is like, you know, we we're talking earlier about a rule change, is like to what extent is is our job to innovate carefully versus to like preserve it and keep it the same similarly there is going to be more jeopardy you know i've spoken you know i want to uh bring back sports jeopardy i want to look into doing pop culture jeopardy we're already doing celebrity jeopardy there's the jncc and you know jeopardy masters live in prime time (laughs) is my great unrealized dream uh for this franchise i got a death stare so um uh you know when is there too much like is do i have to be careful in overexposing this brand i'm very aware jeopardy is a sport the nfl is still number one because there are less nfl games than any other league and i think that's one of the reasons that it's so precious keep it an appointment viewing as opposed to every three three episodes of jeopardy every night on different (laughs) networks yeah um doug asks when working to create jeopardy video games are clues prepared for the game similarly to the show or are clues made easier for the video game versions can clues on an episode be featured in a video game version of jeopardy and vice versa well there's really no one answer for that sometimes in our games they are repurposed from material that our writers have written in the show We also have people from some of our licensees who actually write material themselves. And the difficulty and the range of categories really just is based on the need of the game or the app or the different use of the show. But the fun thing is you get to see all different types of material in all different types of ways. And it's just more opportunity to play Jeopardy, which is, I think, what everyone wants. Okay, great questions again this week. We love going through them. Keep sending them to Inside Jeopardy podcast at gmail.com. And perhaps next week we'll uh, read some of the reactions to the uh, the potential rule change, the running the category bonus. Because yeah. especially now you told me it's all over Twitter. I've got to go and read that. <laughs> so you have time. Get your comments in before next week. All right, that wraps up another exciting episode of Inside Jeopardy. Thank you, Buzzy, for joining us. Always a fun time when you're in the studio. And You and I have a big night ahead of us. It's our first ever Jeopardy! Honors event. The two of us are going to kick things off with our blue carpet arrivals. We're going to talk with our TOC contestants who will be in attendance, along with our inaugural Hall of Fame class recipients and those who are accepting on their behalf, plus special guests attending, like our reigning TOC champion Sam Cavanaugh, who is about to hand over the title and, of course, the belt. Uh, Once the ceremony gets underway, we're going to be recognizing some of our most memorable players and performances from Season 38 and inducting the Jeopardy! Hall of Fame class of 2022. Yeah, we're very excited for the ceremony. One of our initiatives that we announced during the launch of this podcast, actually. I can't believe it's finally here. Join us here next Monday for our special Jeopardy! Honors episode. And, of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social Uh, Follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And we will see you next week. Let's get the guitar in Johnny's hands and cue it up. (laughs) Goodbye.
somewhere there's a session guitarist who is seething that he's not getting the credit. He do you know deserves. what's so funny? My nephew, uh, who <laughs> works, works for... in music, works for the company who do it, told me exactly who it is. 